0: if you have it say amen Amen. that was kind of weak do you have it or don't you amen (laughs) amen praise the lord when the angel had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to him said to one another let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord told us about The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. God, we pray your hedge of protection around everybody, every person that's part of this uh, body, local body, as we organize and mobilize for the kingdom of God that we might accomplish great things in the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that it's not by our might nor by our power, but it is by your Spirit. Oh God, oh God, fill us afresh today with your Spirit that we might be all that you've called us to be as we make disciples who make disciples through the life-changing Word of God. The church said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You may be seated. In the presence of the Lord. Amen. I am the oldest of nine siblings. I have six sisters and two brothers. Added to the nine, I had an aunt and an uncle who passed away at a very early age. They had ten children. And my mother initially took five of them and then uh, reduced that number to three. And so with the nine, there was an added three cousins who were raised with me who were as close to me as biological siblings. I had a cousin named uh, Jeannie who I teased mercilessly. I was horrible. (laughs) Thank God for salvation. Somebody said, thank God for Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive me, cousin, if you're watching. <laughs> I had two um, male cousins uh, who I was very close to, and one is definitely uh, as close to me as a brother, my cousin Ronald. Now, due to the differences in our age ages, not all 12 of us were in the house at the same time. I have a youngest my youngest brother is 21 years younger than i and by the time he was born i was already in seminary and my mother and dad were still getting busy <laughs> i didn't want to believe that about my mom man i was like really mad <laughs> not my mother now, every Christmas, uh, my mother would somehow know what gifts to purchase for all of us. And so at any given time, there were anywhere from seven to nine kids in the house for Christmas. And so when we would come downstairs, we had a row home in North Philadelphia. what was fairly large, uh, considering that it was a row home. The entire front room was covered with toys. You could literally uh, barely walk because of toys that were spread. And they were never wrapped, but they were spread around the floor. And so as we excitingly uh, bum-rushed that room and were direct- directed to our individual gifts, we would begin to open them. And as we opened them, we would turn to our sisters and our brothers and say, look what I got. Look what you got me. Look what he got me. We would just be so excited to show and to tell them what we had received from our parents. Now, what's interesting, Santa Claus never visited our house. We knew that. I, wasn't, I, w- I never fell for that one. I'm sorry for all of those who've been lying to your children So, but uh, we would we would we would really really be excited about what what we would what we had received, and so after we be opened our things and began to play with them, the next thing we would do was leave the house around noon to go to our cousins' houses. And they all lived within walking distance. Mm-hmm. And we would take some of our toys and we would run in and we said, Look what we tell them. Look what I got it. Look what she got it. We'd, and then they'd tell us what they got it. And, and they were seven cis cousins and four over here, nine over there. So they all had big families. We would go, we would tell that story again and again and again and excitingly wow. let everybody know how blessed we were to receive the gifts that we, had, we were given. And even after sharing with our, our cousins and eating their food, and they come and eat our food, then we would go and go to our friends' houses. And we wanted to see what they got so they could tell us about their toys, and we could tell them about our toys. And by the time the day was over, everybody in the neighborhood knew what everybody else had. <laughs> because we could not keep it to ourselves. Tell somebody, you ought to tell somebody. But the Lord, ha, ha, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as I was excited about temporal monetary gifts Well, the Bible says, "What shall it profit a man if he gain the entire world, but you lose your soul? The greatest monetary material gift uh, is not worth the greatest gift that was sent from heaven 2,000 years ago, where God sent his eternal son, Jesus Christ, to leave the riches of heaven to become poor for us that we might become rich because of our impoverished state called sin. And so when you consider what the Lord has done, And the good news, I got deacons supposed to straighten me out, right, before I come out here. Now I'm discovering things while I'm standing up here. So uh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Somebody say, turn your head. head. That means turn your head. head. See what's in the back of the room? (laughs) Hallelujah. There we go. Praise the Lord. There we go. It's already gone. It's already gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It already came and went. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though small and unlikely, God chose for the birth of his son and revealed to the prophet Micah the city of Bethlehem. Some 800 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah tells us that he would be Emmanuel, God with us. The prophet Micah uttered these words as the Spirit of God directed him. He says, But you, Bethlehem of Ephratus, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to the one to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth are from old and from everlasting to everlasting. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus is the gift from God that is from everlasting to everlasting. It is the gift that keeps on giving. And because of the difference that Jesus has made in our life, the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Present progressive tense, all things are becoming, have been made new, and continue progressively to become new as we yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, before you can tell somebody about this good news, that unto us a child is born, unto us a Savior has been given, there are at least four things that I want to share with you today as you prepare for tomorrow and the in- interactions that you're going to have that you ought to tell somebody, but you need to know some things in order to effectively tell them. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, the first thing that is necessary, I'm going to share all four things if you want to write these down. First, you, will, you need to hear the message. Say, hear the message. Yeah. Uh, you need to accept the message once you've heard it. Thirdly, you need to share the message, and finally, you need to celebrate the message. Now, on the first Christmas, listen to what is recorded again in verses 17 and 18 of Luke chapter 2, where he says, when they had seen him, the baby, "they, they witnessed, they shared, they testified the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. Underline the words, what had been told to them. You can't share what you don't know. You cannot share what you have not heard. You need to hear the euangelion. You need to hear the good news. And the reason we need to hear the good news is recorded in the words that are before us. Now, What the shepherds were doing on the first Christmas, we're going to see. The Bible says they were watching their flock as they heard. And the Bible says the angel Gabriel appeared to them. In verse 10, it says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, the city of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, when the angel first appeared, they were terrified. And They had never seen anything like this before, and then the angel speaks to them, and he begins to explain exactly why he's there. So he said that they were told by the angel that a Savior was born on that day in the city of David, the city of Bethlehem. And I want to consider with you why we need to hear the good news, why we need to hear the good news before we can share. The first thing the Bible teaches us is that faith comes by hearing. In order for us to believe, we need to have something to believe. And so in Romans chapter 10 verses 14 and 7 through 17, it says, how can, how, how then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a proclaimer, a preacher, so faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. In order for people to come to know the Jesus that we say we know and love, somebody has to tell them. Amen. Somebody has, I believe in lifestyle evangelism, live before them. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But at some point, somebody has to say something. And so faith comes by hearing hearing. And you can hear without a proclaimer, and yeah. faith will not be ignited or or, or, or or directed towards what we need to believe unless someone has spoken. Yeah. Faith must also be informed by biblical truth before we before it can produce living faith. There's there, every faith is not correct. You can believe that you can outrun a train, and you will be wrong. Uh, so. What what you believe matters, therefore your faith must be informed by biblical truth before it can produce living, living faith. The Bible says, now the angel, uh, speaking, this is a passage from uh, 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 Acts chapter 8. And you remember the story of uh, when in Acts chapter 7, the first uh, uh, deacon, uh, one of the deacons is actually slain, Deacon, Deacon Stephen. He's killed And the Bible says that the church scattered. And as the church scattered, because Jesus had said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, but when the Holy Ghost has come, you shall be what? My witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and unto the othermost parts of the earth. And so when the church started in Acts 2, it expanded in Jerusalem, and the Jews were cool with that. The church was becoming a mega church, but they didn't want to go to Judea. They didn't want to go, especially Samaria. And so what the Lord allowed was some heat some persecution, some suffering and trouble to come upon the church. And so Stephen was stoned, and as a result of that, the church scattered. And one of the places that they went was one of the least expected places. One of the deacons named Philip went to Samaria. And while he was there, the Samaritans heard the good news. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing, and they responded to the message. And the church blew up in Samaria. Uh, he, uh, uh, Philip was the second pastor of the second largest church at that time. But the scripture tells us when you get an opportunity, I'm not going to read it for you, but beginning in uh, Acts chapter 8 verse 26, uh, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and he said, I want you to leave the megachurch church." And I want you to go down to the desert of Gaza. In fact, the Holy Spirit took him to a place called the Gaza Desert. And so as he is arriving there, there is an Ethiopian eunuch who is the treasure of the entire country of Ethiopia. And his queen is named Eunice. And he is in the chariot. The Bible says he has just left Jerusalem because he was a proselyte. He went to Jerusalem to worship. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit directed, the, Bible. the Scripture tells us, Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And so as Philip is following the direction of the Holy Spirit, he overhears the eunuch reading the Scriptures. And he's reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, our iniquities were placed upon him. And by his, he was reading that. And so Philip came alongside the chariot, his limo, and he said to the Ethiopian, he said, do you understand what you're reading? Yeah. Yeah. In order for faith to be informed, somebody has to give an explanation. Faith comes by hearing. You got to tell somebody. But the person that you're telling, in order for them to receive, there has to be an explanation. And so when the Ethiopian heard Philip ask the question, do you understand? He said, how can I understand sex? somebody explained it to me? talk about low-hanging fruit, <laughs> talk about the harvest. So the, the Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. If we would just look around, the, the, the fruit is hanging low. But in order for those who are receptive and, 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 and open to coming to have a personal relationship with the Lord, we have to not only be willing to tell them, but to explain to them the good news. And that's exactly what Philip did. The Bible says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be ready to give an answer to every man who asks for reason of the hope that is within you, with fear and trembling." Yes. That means that every Christian, if since you trusted Jesus, you know enough to lead another person to Christ. And so the scripture said, "Be ready always. Sanctify. Have a have a sacred thinking or mindset about telling people about Christ, because." See, receiving Christ is the difference between eternal death and damnation. So sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be prepared to give an answer, to give an explanation to everyone who asks a reason. Why do you have hope? Why do you think you're going to heaven when you die? Why is your life different from mine? Why are you now the salt of the earth when you were the, when you were the sludge of the earth? And so be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks of a reason of the hope within you. And he said, be careful how you do it. Do it with meekness and fear. And so faith must be informed. Faith becomes alive when, when it is shared. Faith comes by hearing. Faith that responds to the Word of God also produces fruit. And so what the angels do, they appear to the shepherds, and shepherds are clueless. They don't know what's happening. The ag- angels give an explanation and based on what the explanation was given, the verse, verse 20 later says, and that everything that they were told happened the way it was told. So the word that they were given from the angels that got it from God came true. And so when it comes to reaching people for Jesus during this season, we need to be prepared to give an answer. We need to understand that they won't, they will not know unless we tell them. And we also need to know when you get an opportunity in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through uh, 8, the Bible says, you not only heard the message, speaking of the Thessalonians, you became the message. Mm -hmm. So when people hear the word, understand the word, the word will change them. And when the word changes them from the inside out, they become a testimony of the power of the gospel to do what the Lord said it would do. Amen. What, what, what our world needs now, uh, we're we thinking about politicians and we need to stop climate change. Yeah, we need all that. But more than, more than any of that, we need Jesus. We, we, we need to tell people about Christ because when Christ comes into our life, we will forsake sin. When Christ comes into our life, we will turn away from those things that have filled our heart with anger and wrath. Isn't it interesting how angry people are? How, how, and, 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 and in fact, people make money off of showing you stuff on TikTok. We spend all this time watching TikTok, people getting into physical brawls, women fighting men, and uh, people throwing dogs. I mean, just crazy stuff. And I'm like, why would you put any of this for people to watch? Because people want to watch it. And the, and the worse and, and, and more, more exaggerated it is, the more interested. We tend to be. And so the first thing that we need to know is that the, in order to respond to the message, you need to know the message. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Word needs to be shared, and when it is shared, we will see the change, the change. The best thing that ever happened in my life was to give my life to Jesus. Amen. If you had known me then, amen, 1972, I said yes to Jesus. But before then, I was a good sinner on my way to a bad place called hell. And the Lord changed me. The Lord, the Lord met me. I wasn't seeking Jesus. The Bible says no man can come to Him except the Spirit of God draws him. And the good news is the Bible says let come. And the one the Bible says all that come as you are drawn by the Spirit, I will in no wise cast out. Aren't you glad He didn't turn your way? Aren't you glad He pursued you? Aren't you glad? I don't know what day your day was, but I know that the Lord came into my life on a Wednesday night after a very heated religious discussion about can women wear pants. Oh, of course, that's the most important thing that you could ever talk about regarding salvation. And we spent hours talking about that, and the Lord used that experience of of, of legalism and tradition to to bring the the group that I was a president of, force us into a room where we began to just cry out to God and pray. And in the privacy of my prayer time, folk already thought I was saved. I was leading a Christian group, but I didn't know Jesus. I wonder why I couldn't understand the Bible. I wasn't saved. The Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them because they are split So his own. Now, I didn't have the Spirit of God living in me, but I was a good churchgoer. You know, I, I was in church for years, but I had never heard the story. Nobody had told me that I that Jesus had died for me and I had to personally trust him as my Lord and Savior. I didn't understand that. I knew how to sing a little bit. I knew how to do the strut and all of that, how we marched in the church. I had all that down. I had my robe, and I looked good like the rest of them. But I was on my way to a Christless eternity because I didn't know the message. I didn't know the message. But that Wednesday night. God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to me, and I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, and since that day, I have never not been the same. I'm so grateful that I know him. Aren't you glad that the Lord met you right where you are? Aren't you glad that he changed the way you think I mean, there are times when I just ain't thinking right, but the Holy Spirit, the Bible said that the Spirit himself not only make it intercession for us, but the Word of God is a discerner of the, the thoughts and the intents of our heart. The Word of God will show us how messed up we is. Sometimes you, you think you've got to straighten somebody. No, no, no. The Word of God will work on Christians. I thank God. For the ministry of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we just need to let the Holy Spirit do his work. The scripture yes. says that the Spirit himself bears witness that we are the children of God. And as many as are led by the Spirit, they are what? They are the sons and the daughters of God. When we belong to the Lord, yeah. he will make a difference like he did in the Thessalonican church. They turned from their idols. Mm-hmm. The message was lived through them. I wonder today if somebody came to church from your job, would they be shocked to see you in church? Oh. <laughs> are you the message where you, where you work at? have you told anybody? Now, we, we see why the message needs to be shared. We see that the message was first shared to, with the shepherds by the angels. But who were these shepherds? And when I thought about the closest thing I can think about when it comes to shepherds, they were, they were de- there were some great shepherds, Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, uh, they, they were, uh, David was a great shepherd. Uh, but M- Moses was a shepherd, but Mo- the, 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 the average shepherd was despised. They were isolated from everyone. They were considered unclean, so they couldn't even go to church. They had to go through this extensive ceremonial uh, cleansing in order to go to church. Now, what they were doing, a part of what they did, the shepherds were the ones who groom the sheep or the lambs that were used for sacrifices down at the temple, but they couldn't come to the temple. They were considered too dirty. They were considered too common. They were uneducated. They were unsophisticated. I thought about the closest thing I can think about is a panhandler, somebody standing on the corner and, and saying, I'll work for money. And uh, we might give them money. You might even give them something to eat, but you ain't taking them home. You ain't saying, uh, this Christmas, would you? Don't, don't, I'm going to pick you up about 2 o'clock. Uh, just stay on that corner and have on the same stuff you've been wearing for the last couple years. And uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to do no hygiene. Uh, just be prepared. I'm coming to get you. And we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus, it's the greatest gift of all time. Now, maybe some of you are going to do that now that I've suggested it. <laughs> it's definitely uh, an opportunity out there for you to do that. But I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it unless the Holy Spirit definitely gives you some clarity because a lot of times you're dealing with mental illness. You're dealing with drug addiction. But the point is shepherds were considered the lowliest profession. That's the last thing you want to say. This is what my family does we (laughs) panhandlers, and my little children, they're going to be panhandlers, too. That's not something you want to brag about. This is not somebody that you would friend on your Facebook page. This is not somebody that you would be interested in their profile. What they say on Twitter today, you wouldn't be following them in any kind of way. In fact, you see, I'm going to go a different way because they're still out there asking for the same. I just gave them something. So this is how the shepherds were viewed during this time. But guess who God chose? The Lord that saved us was not born in the palace. In fact, he was, he was born in an animal's stall, in an animal's trough. They called it a manger, but it was a place where horses drank water and where they ate straw. And so when, 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 when the Lord decided, I'm going to introduce The birth of my son, he didn't start on Madison Avenue. He didn't start at the White House. He started at the outhouse. And he chose shepherds who no one would ever, in fact, if a shepherd had to be called, a shepherd could witness a murder occurring, but because of his occupation and his status in society, his testimony would not be considered reliable. When I thought about those shepherds, I thought about us. the foolish things, the weak things, the ennoble things. When we were running from God, he ran after you. He ran after me. He didn't save us because we deserve it. The Bible said we're saved by grace through faith. See, our problem sometimes is we think we we, we our stuff don't stink and we, we, are, we aren't all that bad, but if you ever committed one sin, the Bible said if you break the law in one point, you're guilty of defiling the entire law. So in spite of us, we were wretched sinners undone in need of salvation, and God looked beyond your fault. He looked beyond my fault, and he saw our need, and he decided to reveal the light that would remove the scales from our eyes to cause us to see our need for Jesus. I wonder if you recognize that he didn't have to save you, that the Lord didn't have to pursue you. He didn't have to love you. Like the Bible says, while we were yet in our sins, God proved how much he loved you by sending his son for you. He died for you. We are those shepherds. We are those outcasts. We are those that are undeserving. And yet, the Lord reached out to save us. Aren't you glad about it? It don't matter how you look. It don't matter what people say about you. It don't even matter what you did. If you made a decision to trust Christ, that's the difference. When you consider what the Lord has to, what he had to work with when he chose you. It ought to make you glad. It ought to make you humble. It ought to make you want to serve him. That's why when you know Christian, the Bible says the Christian hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Everybody talking about Jesus don't know Jesus. When you start using the name of Jesus in the word of God to people who are genuinely saved, something on the inside called the Holy Spirit who who came to give us conviction and correction from, from, from God, it will begin to work on you. God chose the nobodies. Oh, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, the, the brother who established the, the majority of the New Testament churches. He was multilingual. He was a doctor of theology. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee, born on the, he was a, he was a, from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. This dude was a scholar. He was an up and coming star. He might have replaced the top of the Pharisees, Gamaliel. He was moving in that direction. Everybody looked to Paul. That's why when when it was time to get rid of the Christians they chose Paul. He was the up-and-coming. So this is what the apostle Paul says about himself. He says this about himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. See if you can identify with this. He says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And then he adds at the end, he says, uh, that's in 1, Corinthians, that's 1 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 15. He, then he says in verse uh, 10 of, uh, of 1 Corinthians, he says, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And then he adds and, and, and he says, for I am the chief of sinners. I am the chief of sinners. Now watch this. He didn't say I was the least of the apostles. He said I still am. He never forgot what the Lord did for him. When you look back and see how the Lord snatched you out of the the very hands of Satan and put you you on a street called Straight, we should never forget, but, but for the grace of God, I am a sinner saved by grace. Paul never forgot. He said, I am the least of the apostles. After writing all the books, after suffering all that he did, he still could say. I am the least, and he says, for I am the chief of sinners. The chief of sin." you already saved and doing all this, but he never lost his humility. Here are the two things that the Lord used Paul so greatly, what was, what was present in life should be present in our life. He was humble because he knew what the Lord saved him from. But not only was he humble, but when you, when you understand, the Scripture says, if you are forgiven of much, you will love much. He said, I work hard in the mall. Why did he work so hard? Yeah. Better question is, why we work so little? Bible said we should love the Lord God with all of our hearts, with mind, body, soul, and strength. That means that you should love God so much that by the time we get to heaven, that we're so exhausted from serving him and trying to, as Paul says, I press towards the mark of a high calling in Christ. I'm so, I'm pressing, I'm trying to get to know him as I am known, that when I get into heaven, I'm so exhausted from trying to serve him through the gifts and the talents of God. I literally fall into the hands of the Lord. Paul said, I work hard in them all because I know. I know. When's the last time that you had an I know experience where you reflected on what the Lord did and how precious the salvation that he gave to you? I remember crying like a baby when Christ came into my life. And I knew I was changed. I knew he was there. Have you had that kind of experience? Now, the interesting thing is that when, when 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 the shepherds heard the message, they were at work. They were at work. What's significant about that? Well, I just, in terms of relating it to us, I hear a lot of Christians say work is business and Sunday is church. My God. Mm. I heard that. Church and business ain't the same. So when we put on our Sunday best and get on our faces, like, you know, make up and all now we're at church, but then, we're, then Monday through Saturday we can be ruthless. Uh, we, we, don't get, we don't have to use the Bible. We don't have to depend on what the scriptures say. But it was in their workplace. They were working at night, the night shift. When the angels showed up and began to tell them the story, the good news, the good news. How many people at your job know that you know Jesus? How many people have you been bold enough to just to, to identify with Christ? How many people would say that this is a person who loves Jesus based on the things that you have said, but more importantly, how you have lived? And so they were at their work spot, and it was in that work spot that the, that the miraculous occurred. Now, here's, here's how God works. I told you miraculous things are happening in our church. The angel showed up. There was a manifestation. That's how God gets our attention. Somebody will put us on our back or something will happen. You be leaving church and something you know that's unusual, God will use it. And it's not, it's, it's, it's something extraordinary. it's outside. It's natural revelation. It's outside the scripture, but it will always agree with the scripture when it comes. To God knows how to get our attention. Say manifestation. But a manifestation without revelation will do what it did to the shepherds. They were terrified. They were terrified. If God allows something to happen to your body or to happen to something that matters to you and you don't get a revelation from God, it can, it can, it can wipe you out. But the angel said, be, don't, be not afraid. I bring you glad tidings. I bring you tidings of joy. I bring you, I bring you, I bring you good news. Aren't you glad that we can look into the scriptures and find the truth of the word of God about how, how we are to navigate through life? The scripture says... But if our gospel is hidden, if the revelation is the if the revealed word of the good news concerning Jesus is hidden, it said it's hidden to those who are lost, who the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest they receive, lest they accept the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the icon, the image of God. So when we don't tell others about Jesus, especially in our workplace, the devil will allow them to continue to walk in blindness. And so the revelation that sometimes I've had two people uh, come to me uh, this week. Someone was just diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer. Young lady, surprised and shocked, just cried her eyes out. Walked away from that situation. I don't even like to talk to people. I get on the prayer line. I want to say, pray for <laughs> Look, this is Christmas time, Pastor. What we got to talk about that? people are going through, but God will use what you're going through as a manifestation, and the devil wants to terrify you of that, but really God is opening you up for a revelation. God's trying to tell you something. God is trying to use what you're going through to bring you to a place of submission to him. So sometimes when people come to you in their pain, that is the greatest opportunity to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. So you must hear the message. You must also accept it. You must accept that the the, the shepherd said, let us go and see what the angel has said. And guess what they did? They went. And when they got to Bethlehem, they saw the baby. They saw Mary and Joseph. And the first thing they did, they began to glorify and praise the Lord because what they had been told. And so what they did, they they received the message. They received the message. When you receive the message, one of the things that will happen to you is you want to spend time in his presence and you want to be around other Christians. Yeah. This is one of the things that happened. I'm hearing uh, uh, prominent Christian uh, uh, artists get on, on uh, podcasts and talk terribly about the church. Yeah. I just recently heard something terrible about a prominent pastor. And we're so quick to believe everything that we hear on podcasts and, and on, on, on social media. No, no factual evidence it has been reported an anonymous source has said and everything that is said especially about there's a horrible opinion and disrespect for pastors today because of what's on social media and how we communicate that and so people speak horribly about the church you say I'm going to build my church in the gates of hell that didn't change that did not change and so I want to share what, what happens when somebody receives God? They want to spend time in his presence and they want to be around his people. When you are a Christian, you want to be around other Christians. The Bible said in first uh, John chapter one, verse seven, he says, if we walk in the light, if we walk in fellowship with him, with walking light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus will keep on cleansing. So one of the things that happen when you know you say you're going to want to be in the presence of the Lord and you want to be around the people of God, you want to come to church. You want to fellowship. Somebody say amen you also feel a compulsion to praise God. It's hard to sit and hear the word of God and something on the inside doesn't say, raise your hands or say amen. You're going, you're going to respond some kind of way. A tear may trickle down your eye. You might find a little something going on your leg, and you may find yourself standing up. And you know, I don't do that kind of stuff. Well, when the when the Bible said, when we we're filled, it said, be not filled with wine. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, why do you talk about wine? Because when you're drunk, when you get ready to go to New Year's and you talk talking about how you're going to celebrate and bring the New Year, what you're talking about, you want to be in an altered state of mind. You want to be thinking of some wine way. You want to be thinking kind of easy. You want, to, you want to be different from how you normally are. That's what wine does. That's what spirits do. So when the Bible says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means that you're going to act like you normally don't act. You're going to act like the Spirit, because it's not about you. It's really about him when the Spirit of God is taking over. Somebody say Amen. God didn't bring you to church to be an observer. There ain't no football game. Did he score a touchdown yet? I didn't see no field goal. I didn't see him call a play. I'm wait, 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 Why ain't he screaming? Why do not he roll around? The no, 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 no. This is about the Holy Spirit speaking to you as you're hearing the word of God. And out of obedience to how he's speaking to you, you, you you're going to respond with a desire, a compulsion to worship and praise him. You're going to acknowledge that Jesus is both God and man. The Bible says that they believed that what they had heard was just that when the angels said that the, the Savior was coming, they said he is the Son of God. He is the eternal son of God. And verse 20 said they believed what they had heard because what they were told happened. So a true Christian believes that Jesus is more than a man, more than a teacher, more than a prophet, more than a, a somebody help you to hit the lottery. But he's actually God in human form. They acknowledge that. They also accepted him as their personal Savior, Lord. They received the message. They received the message. Have you accepted the message? But as many as received him, to them he gives what? The right to become the sons and daughter of God. What a great decision it would be on a Christmas Eve, on the day before the birth of Christ, that you actually give your life to Jesus. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons and the daughter of God. I heard about this woman named Betty. She didn't have to die, but she did. She did. She died. She died. Her, her daughter called. The doctor made a personal home visit. She had a severe cold. The doctor said the mother had pneumonia. I'm going to medicate her. She can stay home and we'll monitor her. Three days later, mother's got, the mother's gotten worse. So the doctor said, we're going to increase the doses on the medication. He made a second visit, increased the doses on the medication. Two days later, daughter called, my mother's gotten worse. Go back a third time, increase the medication. And the day after he increased the medication, Mary uh, Betty Washington died. Amen. And so the doctor felt so bad because he didn't tell her to go to the hospital. He assumed that he had made a miscalculation. He misdiagnosed her. And he actually decided he going to leave the practice and he started drinking. Mm. On the day of uh, Betty Washington's funeral, he, he went to the, the grave site, and he saw the family gathered. He was standing at a distance, and he watched them as they lowered her body in the ground. And he was just so embarrassed he wouldn't come near the family. And then the daughter noticed it was the doctor. Come on, yeah. And so she made her way over to the doctor. and said, doctor, please, please, would you stop for a moment? He says, I'm sorry. I failed you. I, did, I didn't give the, your mother the right. She said, no, no, you didn't kill my mother. She said, when I was cleaning up the room after they took my mother's body out, I noticed behind the bed she had poured all the medicine out. She refused to take the medicine. She was believing she was going to be healed, but she wouldn't, Jesus said, those who are sick get a physician. So she, she didn't have to die, but she did. And nobody has to die in their sins once they hear the good news. But in order for the news to work, you've got to take the medicine. Jesus is the cure for our sin. It is really true. By His stripes, we are healed from the gravest sin of the gravest condition of human of humankind is that we we have the disease called sin. But we have to receive Him. We have to accept Him. We have to trust Him. The thrill is gone. It, 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 some of us are, are like the, the, the church of Laodicea. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, he says, behold, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. You have in church, you got praise and worship going on. you got all, you say you're rich. You say you've got vision. You say you're clothed. But when I look at you because I'm standing at the door, I'm at church, but I can't get into my own party. He says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth because you're neither cold nor hot. You're lukewarm. There are a lot of Christians who are lukewarm, who aren't telling anybody about Christ." Because you lost your passion for Jesus, I want you to know a Christian that doesn't pray doesn't have any passion. A Christian that doesn't pray is not humble because you're depending upon yourself. A Christian that has lost their way, I guarantee it's not anything complicated. It ain't what the church did. It really is a question of let's look at your let's look at the fundamentals of your walk with God. What about your prayer life? What about time you spend in the, in the Word? The Word will not have the same impact on you if prayer is not a part of your daily experience. They told everybody, I want you to invite everybody to our Middletown location. we get getting ready to go. Praise the Lord. It's going to be a box. It's going to be, a, it's going to be nice. It's 13000 nice. we're getting down there. When we get down there, the Lord is going to bless us with all kinds of funds, and, and we're, going to, we're going to have more, more than we need. We know that. And tell them, come before we go. Bring them here. We're not going to wait until we get there. We're going to start reaching that community even right now. But if all you do is tell them to come to church, You failed to do your job. Tell them to come to Jesus. (laughs) Tell them to come to Jesus. Well, go meet my pastor. No, come meet the elders. Come meet the, no, 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 no. You know Jesus, and you can lead a person to Christ. The greatest thing that a Christian can ever do is to tell somebody not only how they can get saved, but to lead them into a saving relationship with Christ. So that's what they did. These shepherds, these nobodies, these outcasts, these uneducated dudes they knew enough. All they knew was he was born in Bethlehem. He would be the Savior, the Son of God. And when they saw him, they could not contain themselves. Have you seen him? I believe when you see him high and lifted up, when you see him as Isaiah did, he said the robe of his, his robe was filling the temple and smoke was rising up. And he saw the angels crying out, holy, have you seen him? When you see him, you'll be like Isaiah. The Bible says that Isaiah said, hear him by After the Lord said, "Who shall I send, and who will go for us?" I said, "Here am I. Here am I. I'm a cussing preacher. But here am I. Here am I." Now, you clean now, I don't stay cussing. He put a coal on his mouth. He changed the way he talked. Anybody's talking changed? Are you still cussing? Are you still lusting? Are you still lying? Well, let him put some purity in there through the word. And he says, "Here am I. Here am I. Send me." Have you said that to the Lord? Here am I. Send me. He'll send you. If you just, if you ready. Oh, there's nothing more powerful than for you to open up your mouth and the Lord speak through you what he's already taught you. He ain't saying nothing that you didn't learn. (laughs) We're going to stand up here and just, whenever the Lord speaks, he ain't speaking like that. I will bring to your remembrance all that I've taught you. When I'm dead and gone, the one thing that I want you to be able to say is my pastor preached the word. I could go back to the Bible and the things that he taught, they were right there. Because what I say is not going to keep you, but what he says. Somebody say amen. Why? Because the word works. And so they shared the word. Now, how should you share the word? We're going to finish with this. You should do it intentionally. When they heard it, they said, look, we got to do something. If you don't make up your mind you're going to tell somebody about Jesus this Christmas, guess what? You'd be just drinking your eggnog. Kissing under the mistletoe. Chestnuts rotting at the open fire. Got your Santa Claus uh, stockings hanging up. And mad if you don't get your gift. So be intentional. They intentionally left and started telling about people. When you leave here today, be intentional. Also do it courageously. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed. The gospel has power. You just tell somebody the good news and leave the results to the Lord. Be courageous. Be, do it persuasively. The Lord said, go into the hedges. Go, don't wait for folk to come to you. He said, go out into the highways and the byways and the hedges. And he said, compel them, beg them, plead with them to receive Christ. Do you know what the worst thing that could happen to a person is not that they die of some disease, but that they die not knowing Jesus. That's the worst thing. So it ought to burden our hearts. Be persuasive. Do it humbly. Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. The chief of sinners. Pride is not a virtue. God said, I, give, I resist the proud. I resist the proud. But for the grace of God. Somebody said, but for the grace of God. Do it clearly. I wonder the last time you heard somebody on TV preaching and they gave a clear presentation of the gospel? Mega churches. Nobody's sharing the gospel. Nobody telling anybody how to be saved. Telling you how to give. How to another level for another devil? Reposition yourself. Get rid of all those hang honors. But who's telling folk how to get saved? The devil don't care about no church and music. The Bible says for well, the preaching of the cr- the foolish of the preaching of the cross yeah, is what saved folks. We need to enter the foolishness of the cross, the death, burial, and, and, and resurrection of Christ. Be clear, Paul says. For I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and Him crucified. He said, "And my speech is not, and my speech and my preaching were not a persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power." When He preached, I preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, the death, burial, and power in that church. Oh, you can stand flat-footed when you tell people this is what happened. He died for you. He was buried for you. He rose for you according to the word of God. Do it prayerfully. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, when they prayed, the whole place started shaking. And the Bible said they had a boldness to pray and to share Christ that they had never experienced before. So before you share at your workplace, before you share tomorrow, do it prayerfully. Do it obediently. It's, it's a sin not to share Christ. Jesus said, but you shall receive power. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It was a command. They're not optional. Well, we got a pastor. We, we got people trained. No, 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 no. You saved. You're commanded to tell us that's how the church grows. We, the way the church is going to grow, you lead people to Jesus through evangelism, and then you disciple them so that they can disciple others through evangelism, and if that's how the church grows. Do it obediently, and the Bible says they went away glorifying the Lord, shouting and praising God, shouting and praising God. When you've been in his presence, you want to shout and praise the Lord. Let me end with this as we prepare for this Christmas. A missionary, I'm going to also ask Sister Hester to make her way up here, a missionary pastor who was a, a physician met a gentleman in China who had cataracts and he was going blind. And so what he did, as you're paying attention to me, (laughs) he did surgery on the man's cataracts and this man who was going blind now could see. So he went back to all of his friends and he had 48 friends that were also blind or going blind. And he told them about a physician who could give them sight. They walked 250 miles to get to the physician so that he could give them sight. That's what evangelism is. It's a person who was once blind, but now you see. And now you want to take others to the person who gave you sight. That's what evangelism is. Somebody say amen. You ought to tell somebody. Say, I ought to tell somebody. I ah, to tell somebody, amen, 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 amen. Uh, would you stand? Sister Hester is going to help us to get that message in our spirit as we leave today. Somebody say amen, amen.